Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Welcome back to the Prog Talks, everyone, with uh, me, Uncle Prog, once again. Uh, and um, before we start, I want to just mention that we now have this uh, link in the description where you can buy us a coffee if you like what we do. But also a subscription or a like goes a very long way. Well, with that out of the way, I want to introduce my guest for today. It's Adam Biggs of uh, Rivers of Nihil. I always want to say Nihil, but maybe it's Nile, right? Uh, we 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 say Nile, uh, yeah. but we could be wrong. <laughs> well, you you're you're the guy who. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Nile then, because of course we are, we are, <laughs> we're the guys, but we're none. Of us, I think, took Latin in school, so we can't. We we're not authorities on that, but you know, well, well what we do, we we accept anytime anybody tries to say our name any possible way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna go with with River of Nile for this for this then, and uh, and um, you guys just finished up your uh, American tour, right? You 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 we're in new york on the 10th and that was the last date of this this uh the us part of the tour so how that did that go and and of course we're in the middle still in the middle sort of of a pandemic is was it challenging um uh yeah i mean it was it was challenging but uh you know not nearly as challenging as you know maybe some would have you believe or you know uh it it just it just seemed to be like i i you know aside from a few small things like it it's it's not unlike any other us tour i've ever ever done really it, it it's just you know there were some precautions here and there and and you know check your card type of thing but for the most part it felt like business as usual and um you know even even better than that, it felt like you know just getting back to into doing what what we do, you know, versus sitting around spinning our wheels or whatever. Well, I'm pretty sure the audience was happy to see you and and the other bands out there after a sort of a long break of not being able to to go to live shows. Yeah, it, it felt that way. The reception was really warm, and and uh, yeah, like it it was uh, it's an interesting time to come out of this pandemic and roll out new music for people all at once like uh there's, there's a lot lot going going into that emotionally for us and probably probably for the audience perspective is makes things you know strange playing new music in front of an audience in any circumstances is, is always kind of a, a head trip and it was just twice as much so because of you know uh yeah. all, all of all of everything we've been through yeah well, of course, you guys are are touring new music. You just released your your fourth full length album, right? The work uh, just a little while ago, and and we'll get back to that. But I, I want to sort of start a little bit earlier. On you guys have been around since I think two thousand and nine, right? And yeah. and you released that that first album, uh, the Conscious Seed of Light, in two thousand thirteen, and. 
before that, I think you had a couple of EPs out, right? So can you tell me a little about, about those early years, you know, up until you released your first album? How was that? Um, well, the early years uh, was like, whew, yeah, I mean, it's a, sorry, I have to stretch my mind back a lot farther than I thought now because we've been at this for so long and it, it feels like only yesterday. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, we were just a bunch of kids in in this scene who, you know, we thought we knew what was best mm. for the the metal scene around us because we had all been in other bands that had gotten to a certain point and and then like you know things didn't work out so originally the idea for rivers of Nile was like to be an aggregate of like the best possible like metal and death metal musicians in our particular area of mm. like reading pennsylvania and and just see how far we could take it just being you know just just put out the best stuff we can and and just put our like you know there wasn't any like there wasn't any talk of like oh we have to it has to be death metal and it has to be this many breakdowns and and this and that it was always just uh write what we think is cool yeah and 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 it happened to be you know between the five of us a lot of different stuff uh so that was at the beginning we kind of had this from the onset had this like uh, this this attitude of like let's just let's just do let's just do whatever we want and whatever we think is cool and not be beholden to anybody else's ideas um so those early eps were just you know it's it's they're they're kids making met metal eps that they thought were you know edgy and just like we it was just balls to the wall stuff i still go back to those and listen to them yeah. every once in a while and i i still like think they're really cool like yeah, they're 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 vastly different from each other uh, i feel like in a lot of ways and you know there's if they're not they're not perfect and they're pretty juvenile but i i, I think they're fun a fun time um and but yeah we that was just what we were doing we were out there having fun playing as many shows as we possibly could mm -hmm. in any given end and 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 uh really just trying to to get noticed so we could just do what we love all the time yeah, was, yeah. Was, was there one point, you know, in 2015, you released Monarchy. That's that's when I first, you know, discovered you guys. And uh, and I've seen this album described as sort of a, like a masterclass of progressive tech death or whatever. And I, I wonder, was there at some point that you guys looked at each other and, and were like, okay, this is getting serious or this is actually, you know, going somewhere? Um, I mean... Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, I guess if, um, I mean, there, there's lots of those moments, you know, like you get little hints along the way where you're just like, you know, if somebody you look up to, you look up to, like you brush shoulders with and they, you know, they say something nice about your band. Like that's a big moment when you're, when you're just starting out, you know? Um, so it was just a lot of little things, a lot of little, little moments that were just like, the the first big one I remember was getting a, a MySpace message from Eric Rutan oh. <laughs> after we put out our first our first EP, and he was like, "You guys are awesome. What does it take? What would it take to get you guys down here to do a record?" Ah, and because we you worked just, you know, with him right on the first album. Yeah, yeah, we did end up, but you know, we did uh, our second EP before that, and you know, it just 
and we stayed independent for a while. And like, you know, we just, he tried to shop us to labels and I think we were just, you know, we just weren't ready yet. Mm. You know, we're just too, too young and we couldn't, we didn't have, we didn't have representation or anything like that. And, uh, the situation was probably a little too big for us, but then, you know, after the second EP, then, um, Metal Blade picked us up and, and we, you know, we talked to our old buddy, Eric, and he got us down there for that first yeah. record. Yeah. So, so how, how do you view, uh, when you think back at, at Monarchy now, like 60 years later, how, how do you view that album now? It's an interesting one. Uh, I love, I love that record. It's one of my favorite, it's my, it is my favorite record to just sit down and like if i'm going to play bass i just sit down and i play that one i play i'll play that record start to finish um because it's just so much fun as a bass player and i think the songs are really a really good time uh it it's uh yeah that that record was an interesting one because if if you notice there it's like the the first time we had an actual member change um we and we you know we lost two founding members between yeah. the uh the release of conscious seat of light and monarchy and there was a lot of you know a lot was up in the air then because you know we did conscious seed and it was kind of it kind of was this big inexplicable hit thing like i like well this band is kind of weird and they do like this old school death metal but it's also kind of new school and it's raw and weird and it, it, it and we got some big tours off of that and stuff and then then we went through the member switches the lineup changes and it, you know it affected our process it affected you know what what the band is at its core and stuff uh but you know i think the 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 idea was to let people know when we put out monarchy that like that didn't matter mm. like that the rest of us we can we will make this thing work yeah however you know and we don't need i mean not that we don't need those people they were they were you know super huge early on and they're you know john coons is you know he's a monster riff writer he uh he started the band outer heaven and they're they're doing their own thing now so you know the proof is in the pudding like they you know they were good good dudes but it monarchy was an an effort and you know it's that's why it's essentially why it's called monarchy is supposed to sort of call back to our first EP, which was called hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of just a, 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 like a fresh starting point for us, mm. uh, in a lot of ways. And like, you know, we took a lot of chains off. Like there's, there's a lot of, uh, stuff on that record that, you know, that the other founding members of the band that we lost probably would not have let happen, you know, and we see, did that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, after after that, of course, the, the the big one for you was in 2018 when where Owls Owls know my name were sort of propelled to the forefront and and of technical death metal. But you also gained a lot of fans from the progressive rock and progressive metal side of things. Can you tell me a little bit about the period after that album was released and what was the experience like of being, you know, when it blew up like that? Well, uh, yeah, so we put out Monarchy and it, it, you know, it kind of like, like Conscious Seed we put out and it was sort of immediately life changing. Yeah. Like we ended up touring on all these big tours and, and like touring with, 
legends like Whitechapel and like death to all and obituary and all these crazy names. And then like monarchy was uh, like the, the cycle for that album was a little more, uh, a little, a little smaller in scale. And it seemed like uh, maybe, you know, people behind the record just didn't know what to do with it anymore with us anymore. Like, did like it felt like the, the uh, the word on the street was that it's just like we were just some average band now, uh, and and nobody was all that interested in what we were doing at the time. So that and and like to contrast, like we felt like that you know we all loved Monarchy and we thought yeah. we did so or we we thought we did a great job. Like and then but it seemed that uh, you know a lot of people industry wise were just not impressed, mm. and uh, so we were like, well, I mean maybe we'll get a shot at doing one, one more of these things before the wheels fall off. Hmm. Uh, so that's where owls know my name, you know, uh, it, it, we, that was in a way we were preparing to say goodbye to the project and, uh, you know, just let, let sleeping dogs lie from there. Yeah. Uh, and so when it came to the, the, the point of like, Oh, should we add another a sixth saxophone solo? Like the it, it was just like, yeah, fuck it, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. I see. Yeah, uh, they're, they're like, what? Why not? Uh, what are they gonna, gonna throw us in jail? Like, so that was kind of the was kind of the the thought process behind that one, and and you know, it just just so happened that I guess you know, turning off that that thing in your head that really cares what people are, you yeah. know, interested in, uh, tends to resonate sometimes and it kind of saved the band's life you know in a lot of ways yeah you know i I've, i i'm suddenly sort of um thinking that you guys had your little rush moment there you know like <laughs> when rush released caress of steel they were sort of at the label was sort of losing interest and everything and they were like well maybe we only have one more album to release so let's just go crazy with it and and it feels like you guys had a bit of that same feeling right this might be our last album at least for a big label or something so let's ju just do what we want right oh yeah yeah absolutely like at that point it's uh you know nobody nobody was sniffing around being like well what are you guys up to on this mm. next album like they it just seemed like nobody cared yeah uh so we just sat there and toiled away and just did exactly what we wanted no more no less mm. and um that's where owls know my name and it it just it just you know happened to scratch an itch for people at the time i suppose yeah, yeah. and like i mentioned it seemed to have found an, a new audience or an additional audience with prog metal fans as well did you get a feeling yeah. of that did you sort of get attention from other places where you hadn't yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. Just a little bit here and there of, you know, cause it's, I, I feel like, uh, you, you're, you're like the real hardcore, like prog fans are, you know, they look down on things like har harsh vocals and blast beats yeah. and things of that nature. And, and, you know, just as much as, you know, your hard line metal fans are going to hear a saxophone solo and turn it right off, you know? Yeah. Um, so there is, there is a little mesh, but I, I, you know, and, and like a little like interest in prog fans, but my, what my whole, whole thinking has been, and I, I've been, I've been a progressive rock fan as long as I can remember. So like, it's been like, you know, I feel like those two genres to me are in equal measure, the mm. things I'm interested in. Yeah. 
Um, and so, so like, I, I, I wasn't afraid to mesh these things together because in, in my mind, uh, in a lot of ways, the progressive rock scene, which apparently, you know, died in the seventies, according to most, you know, well, popular. Yeah. Music journalists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you, if you wrote for, you know, if you wrote for Rolling Stone in the seventies, exactly. you wanted to yeah. see that thing dead as soon as possible, but it lived on in, in mostly from what I can gather the, the heavier genres of, of rock music. And, uh, you have a very healthy progressive scene you, that you can, can trace. You just kind of have to find it in a different spot. It, it wasn't on yeah, the radio. Exactly. But yeah, so that's, so these things are to me kind of inextricably intertwined mm -hmm. to begin with. So I, you know, I think one, one hand washes the other. Yeah, to a degree. I think you're right in that. And, you know, when you go into some of those classic heavy metal bands, you will see that a lot of those musicians are, were big fans of the 70s prog as well. So so I think you I think they're related, like you, you said. But but let's move on to the new album. You know, I'm, I'm eager to talk about the work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. quite a massive listen. Uh, I feel like it demands a lot of the listener. Um, and, and at the same time, it sort of works best in my opinion, as like a full experience. I, this album that I like to sit down and listen to as a whole, um, where sort of the songs uh, on their own are, are great, but like the, the sum total of it is more than the, <laughs> the, the single songs, you know, were you afraid that it would be too different or too challenging for, for, for fans? Um, yes, but, uh, I feel like that makes that thought thinking, oh, this is too much for your mm. casual listener is a uh, little snooty would be a little snooty of, of oh, me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to think that, you know, our audience couldn't understand what mm. we're doing or something, um, would, you know. I mean, it is, it is a battle. Like it's kind of like, uh, you know, you want to be, you want to be mysterious and am ambiguous enough, but also, you know, you want to, you want to communicate what you're doing clearly. And, and you don't want to, you don't want the audience to feel like they're being pandered to. Uh, it, it's just, uh, so, I mean, like we know it's a long, a big, long chunk listen, but you know, we, I mean, like some of my favorite records of all time, the ones that have really stuck with me mm. for years and years are like just super demanding listens like Dark Side of the Moon or Quadrophenia or yeah. The Wall or, you know, like that, that's what they demand your time. And nobody really makes, not, I don't say nobody, but uh, there's not enough there's not a lot of that made anymore like the album is secondary to the single which i think is is fine in some respects but i mean the art of the lp is something that i think you know should survive the digital age and uh you know i keep that in mind on the record for sure when, when we were writing it if you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures and interviews all about progressive music. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Theprogspace.com Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I, I read somewhere that Brody said that the amount of work that went into the new album uh, was, and I, I quote, obscene. <laughs> and he, he also talked about, uh, you know, something I found very interesting, namely uh, that you guys sort of entered a sound world while creating this album. Can you say anything about that? Brody's experience... Uh making any rivers of nile record and my experience making the record are very different even mm-hmm. though we are working together uh my my world is less of sound and more of words yeah uh so and and making assigning meaning to the sounds that he makes is is often my job um but i i do understand what he means there's the, there's so much in these compositions that, that even like on a just a, on a cursory listen, listen, you're not going to hear half of it. I yeah. think like there's just there's even stuff that I mean I'm in this band and and there's stuff that Brody will pull up and like hey do you hear this part on this track and I'm like what is this like there's just so much happening yeah so for him to be he kind of he kind of went off the deep end a little bit in this pandemic time and just did his uh, did his Brian Wilson thing and just was just making these compositions as big and lavish and, and nasty as he possibly could. Uh, and, you know, I didn't want to step in the way of, yeah. of that whatsoever, you know, because I, I thought even though these things are, are really at, like disparate and advantageous and probably too lengthy, uh, I think what they were saying to me is that, you know, um, the the what the you know the songs were saying to me was that this is like it, it communicated that work idea mm. in in a way sometimes it takes time it takes patience and 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 focus and to get through anything um, yeah and so uh, you know you, if you, our art is a reflection of 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 life as we experience it then that's what we've come up with yeah, and, and what you're what you're sort of talking about now is is something you know on the f- first listens of the album, one of the things that sort of hit me like a punch in the gut was the opening of the track "Clean." You know the lyrics and the way Jake delivers them. I want your money, your time. I want your patience, and your pride. Right? It feels very yes. desperate and and bleak. And I'm sure lots of people have been saying to you like over these interviews that. What's the concept of the album? <laughs> you know, but but the title of the album sort of explains itself, but I'm sure there's a broader philosophy behind it. You know, would you expand a little bit on, on that? Uh, um, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. The concept is pretty much, um, it's pretty much wrapped up in the title. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, it's, it's, and it's really, like it's this is a thing born out of my experience like the the concept anyway is a thing that's born out of my experience uh over the past few years and like any other you know record should be i guess and and it's been a really up and down time like i put out a, a record that changed my life like i moved 
uh, cities and uh, you know I stepped out of one really long term relationship and then I found it found another relationship and I'm married I'm expecting a child the, the, the pandemic just on the back burner of all of this and um, so it was a it is a big tumultuous thing and and you know when you're going through this much stuff and and also you know you're you're feeling the economic weight of something like a pandemic yeah and the fact i you know we can't we can't go out and do our jobs at all you know we can't do that we have to we i became a landscaper uh which while i do enjoy that that work it's it's uh, not not really what i think i'm here to do mm. necessarily um but it's just I'm over explaining this, but well, it, it, yeah. it's, it's the work in general, it's my experience, but it's meant to appeal to everyone. Everyone has the work. Everybody has to work to make ends meet in some way. You have to give of yourself to find happiness mm. in life. Um, yeah, and, and that was what yeah. uh, like initially when I thought about it and and was looking at the lyrics and everything it's like it's being human just being human is a you know is a it's a it's work it's yeah yeah and 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 so so sort of I think this album is something that I I couldn't imagine uh, anyone not being able to relate to some parts of oh what the, the philosophy or the theme behind this this album is right well maybe I, I maybe a few billionaires out there or something. <laughs> well, or children of billionaires at well, least. <laughs> well, at least you know they also. They, yeah, well, uh, they. I guess they also relate to work or the absence of work, right? You know, I feel there like the, yeah. There is that. I mean, there there are moments on the record that are just about um, blowing off work. <laughs> One song in particular, yeah, but. Um, there it's it's sort of like the the work concept was like a mantra that i i kind of developed uh you know a, as owls was gaining steam and yeah. the the band became our full-time thing like it the band went from being simply you know our art and what we do t to entertain ourselves and just try to have fun yeah. to depending on it in a, in a lot of ways. And that's a scary transition to make. And, uh, um, it, it, it makes, it makes you make weird decisions mm -hmm. about your art is sometimes if, uh, if you're not careful. And, um, so it, it, it made like, and then on top of all of that, the pandemic just sort of swiping and swiping everything off the table, uh, just brought a lot of those feelings, those struggle feelings to the forefront. And that's uh, mm. how you end up with the work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, you know, that is as well explained as you can with something as all encompassing as, as this, right? Uh, to go, to go a little bit more, you know, into the, the musical side of it again, you know, towards the end of a dreaming black clockwork, there's this like mm -hmm. dissonant riff that, sort of reminded me of one of my favorite death metal bands morbid angel 
There's also like these electronic parts, almost industrial parts on the album and some solos on some of the tracks that are almost like, you know, AOR, adult oriented rock. Give me a feeling of that, you know, it's it's so uh, different. So so then I want to ask what what is you what are your musical inspirations? You know, what is the yeah, what's all of this that goes into making such a, a you know, a kaleidoscope of, of sounds that you guys are putting together? Um, the short answer is just like, yeah, our entire lives, I guess. Um, is Because, you know, a, a lot of times you, when you get really wrapped up in, in, in the metal scene, per se, it's a little closed off. Like that's, it's like to a lot of people involved in that, it's like, that's the only thing that's relevant in music when in in reality, like there's just so much more out there that's happening and like so much more that's happening to your life musically that you just don't take in. I I thought a lot about like ambient influences from my childhood, like Mm. stuff that my parents would listen to. And, and when I was younger, uh, all, like very good music, uh, but uh, things like that, or or just you know stuff that would would be on the radio or on TV when I was a kid. It just you know when you when you're just going going through life, you just have these sorry no uh, music. <laughs> you just have these musical moments, and and uh, they're all an influence. Yeah, you know. Everything from from you know the first time I heard uh, a Cannibal Corpse song to the fiftieth time I heard somebody singing Journey in a bar, you know, um, yeah. it's all part of your musical makeup. And I and I and I I feel like we were trying to stab at that kind of full complete thought in, in on this record more than just be a metal band. Yeah, I I agree. So and, and together with Owls, I think all those you know influences from you know all kinds of places is even more visible you know for you guys uh you know a big part of that that sound of yours that you mentioned earlier you know let's put as many saxophone solos as we want on 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 this album is is the saxophone of sax straws right on the work it's still yes. present uh but perhaps used like utilized a little differently uh where yeah. you where you sh- sure at the beginning that the saxophone would still be a part of your sound or and how did you utilize this on 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 the work um yeah we we figured that it wouldn't make its way into the record one way or another um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you that we were like just chomping at the bits just like we need to give everybody more saxophone we you know we did kind of like, yeah, I don't know, maybe like in retrospect, maybe we overdid it on owls and we were just sort of wanted to step it back. And like, you know, like this, we wanted to show maybe we have other things we can do, mm. you know, the saxophone stuff is great, but there is, you know, we have, we have more tricks up our sleeves than that. And, and we also know that we can use that saxophone stuff in a way that's a little more textural tasteful and yeah. and less shoehorned um and it, it also helped that while we were writing the al- album and the demoing process there was just there was actually no saxophone present whatsoever and ah. we made 
we made sure all of the songs were good enough on their own without them, without it before we ever introduced any to the, to the mix. And it just elevated the, the parts that it was a part of. And I think that's the best utilization for it. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting also that, that, you know, you got quite a bit of attention for utilizing the saxophone on, on owls, but, uh, and, and I guess mostly from the metal press, because when it comes to prog rock, you know, uh, saxophone isn't really a very, isn't the instrument that people raise their eyebrows. You know, you, you have a lot of these older seventies band that used to light utilize that a lot. And when listening to this new album, I'm like, I was like thinking, is this like, um, a death metal variant of Thundergraph generator or something, you know, with those deep, very dark atmospheres, you know, so, so with prog rock, I don't think that's a very unusual instrument, right? Right, of course, and that's uh, that was sort of my my thought going into owls as well is that uh, you know there's there's like we we I don't know we're we're big we're big Floyd fans as as you know yes. anyone should be, uh, but you know like you listen to Floyd and everybody will tell you for hours and hours you know like David Gilmore great guitar solos and they're absolutely correct. But there's also a lot of really good saxophone solos on oh, Pink yeah. Floyd songs and nobody even notices. No, and and uh, and I thought that that would be like an interesting dichotomy to play with, like to just you know maybe instead of adding twice as many you know like six extra guitar solos or something, we can just we can just use this saxophone like maybe maybe Floyd would have done, mm. and and but in this context, there'll be something. Something that I guess shook up people more than I was expecting it to, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I think that's that's interesting, and it, at the same time, I I love the use of saxophone on this new album. Like you say, uh, it's it's obvious that you took a somewhat of a different approach than on the last album, but it's it's very much you know adds an atmosphere to the to the, this new album as well. You know, uh, I I don't know. I feel like I've seen the work split the fan base a little bit you know i see some reviews and comments where people can't praise it enough and on the other hand some people are maybe a little bit disappointed with your move away from the more formulaic tech death sound or whatever of course you can never please everyone but is that something that worries you guys at all um worry worries that 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 they that we split them uh no I mean, we were expecting it. Um, we know what we did on this record was going to push some people away. Um, and but we decided after owls essentially that there is there is a hunger for us for from our fans for us to experiment and to yeah. push things further. And and it seemed like that was what everybody really wanted at the end of the day was they wanted us to be free, which I appreciate. I liked that a lot. So we took that as a sign to take this record just as far in any direction we felt necessary as possible. And um, we knew it would be, we knew it would hurt some, some feelings or, you know, if some people would not be along for the ride, but yeah. I think most people were, were going to fall off eventually anyway. Um, you know, we're, 
you know, we, we just, we just want to do what we want to do. And, and, and anything, if we were just sitting there just writing more tech death, just because we know certain X and Y demographic that listens to us is only going to be receptive to that. That sounds like skullduggery to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, let's go back into sort of the creation or the, the, when you were working on this album, you know, you guys once again went to Atrium Audio when you recorded this, uh, this, and like you've done so many times before, uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you guys work together there? And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's always a really good process. We work with, uh, Carson Slovak and, and, and Grant McFarland, uh, in tandem in the studio. They are both brilliant producers and engineers and, uh, and, uh, we basically, uh, in the in the material that we've made with them, we kind of bring them more or less a finished product, mm. and and then we just we sort of they just put their spin on it. We get it packaged down, and and you know we put it put it together in the studio as a as a final product. Um, they you know it's just the the major thing there is that they're not they're not in there telling us no. You know, they're not in there telling us we shouldn't do this or that. They're always enhancing these ideas. They're going wild with us and yeah. they're laughing right along with every joke and, 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 you know, they're into every risk and, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes things go a little far and they push and they nudge back. And it's like, we have this good relationship where everybody, you know, respects the process. And we know that this is, is you know, the more free we are, the the better thing, the thing we can make. And that's a valuable thing to have in a produce producing, like in a record making situation, uh, because there's a lot of producers out there that will just not let you do yeah. what you want to do. Well, I guess, you know, that's, that's the, um, the, the joy of having someone that you know and that you've worked with over a long time, over several recordings and and uh, someone else that you have been, you know, working with over several albums is is your cover artist, of course, the legendary Dan Seagrave, which also made the, the, the cover uh, for for the work. Can you tell me about uh, what is it like working with him? What What's that process like? Uh, it's... it's uh... I, I, well, first of all, it's, it's a, it's an honor to work with him. I mean, like it, it's, you know, he was always like, ever since I became a fan of, of death metal music, like they, his covers were always, you know, that's, that's the guy, oh, yeah. that's who you oh, go yeah. to for that, for that scene, for that feeling, you know, uh, that classic death metal feeling. Um, so yeah, there was nobody else who we wanted. Uh, and, and so when it came time to make the first full length, we, you know, we, you know, we had metal blade flex that muscle for us and get in contact with him. And he was just any, ever since the beginning, he's been really into the ideas and like sort of challenge as like trying to somewhat challenge his own sort of style in a lot of ways. Cause he, you know, a lot of, a lot of what he does is very just like over the top oh, yeah. metal looking stuff and gore and, and and crazy stuff it's all awesome but that's not us like we're not a gore band we're not a we're you know we're not a you know we 
we have some intense subject matter from time to time, but it, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it, it's more about beauty and, and emotion. And so getting that lens through a guy like Dan Seagrave, uh, is, is pretty much pitch perfect in my opinion. Um, and, and it's been great. Like he, he all I really do is I tell him, you know, I give him a, a pretty, a brief synopsis of what we're going for on this record, any particular record. I, you know, give him a couple rough ideas of what I want to see, maybe some colors. And then I give him lyrics and song titles and things and demos if we have them for him. And then it's from there, he'll send us some sketches. We, we go over a few things and it's usually pretty seamless after that. Like yeah. he, he usually just gets it. He's, he's a consummate pro. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, you know, I, I love the album covers and uh, I love the album cover of the last one, you know, Dan Seagrave is, you know, I think I have a, you know, here as well, Edge of Sanity, the Spectral Sorrow, Sorrows, another one of his, you know, his creations. And uh, yes. so with with the album covers, you sort of went through some, it feels like you went through some seasons, right? The last album had some kind of autumn feel. The new one is very like wintery and, and you know, uh, so uh, if if you if you went through four albums with four different seasons, where would the, where will the next album bring us then? Oh, that's uh, that's a good question, and uh, everybody seems to to want want to know that we're you know where where it goes next. And I you know I'm right on board with everyone else. I would love to know. Yeah, I mean we have we have ideas, and we're in a very you know we're at a very early stage of 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 even contemplating. What, what comes next yeah. you know we're basking in, in having put this record out and you know just getting our heads together around that still it's still so much to do mm. with the work before the future is even you know a thing but we have ideas but well, we'll several different ideas oh, yeah, it's so early i could never yeah. never even pretend to imagine what comes next but and it something will come next well that I'm, I'm certain I'm, this time around <laughs> i'm not gonna push you any 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 more on that uh, because of course what's important now is is the work and and in about one month on the 12th of november you guys will be starting your phases of death tour over here in europe right so uh yeah i i have some i have some bad news about that oh, really? unfortunately Yes, uh, we uh, unfortunately will have to be postponing uh, the I faces see. of death for until next year. Yeah, it's just uh, things that you can imagine were, yeah. were issues. Yeah, they've, they've cropped up, and you know it just has put put uh, us and a few of the other bands in situations where we're just not prepared now. And and you know we decided it would be better. We'll we'll be able to deliver a better product uh, next year. Yeah, in in you know rather than rather than force this out of mm. out of ourselves. So that means that the, the the new plan is is hopefully to see Rivers of Nile touring Europe sometime in 2022, right? Yeah, I, I if all goes according to plan, we should be over there more than once. I see. so yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people will be disappointed that the the, the tour is. But then again, I'm sure you guys are, you know, really, you know, sitting in the hot seat, wanting to get over here. So, so I'm, I'm sure that yeah. will happen as soon as possible. Right. We just want to make sure the timing is right and, and we can all have the most fun time possible. Exactly. Really. 
and and for it to be safe and to be you know yeah yeah well um i want to thank you so much for being on the prog talks with me and for exp- exploring the work and you know the the background on the band you know um to you guys watching and listening uh, you should of course follow rivers of nile on their social media you know every link will be in the description uh, also highly recommend you to check out the work uh, if you haven't already um, and uh, you can listen to it on streaming services or even better head over to metal blade and, and buy the album buy some merchandise you know get get the guys uh, rolling for uh, you know what's coming up next so uh, thank you um adam for being on the show with me my pleasure thank you for those of you who enjoy what we're doing at the prog talks you know a like and a subscription helps us a lot also check out the bios a coffee link in the description um please uh stay safe and keep spreading that prog love the prog talks produced by the prog space Main host, Rune Belsvik Reynos. Produced by Rune Belsvik Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Zach Munovitz. This was the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. See you in a week.